is the OK Outcast Podcast, your home for Oklahoma political intrigue and insight. Hello and welcome to another edition of OK Outcast. This is your host, Brittany, and I'm here today with my co-host, Chris. How are you doing today, Chris? It's the day after the runoff, so I'm exhausted, but I'm doing great. All right, yeah, I bet bet you are a bit exhausted. We'll talk runoff results here in just a little bit. Uh, How's everything going on your end? It's going well. I ran into a mutual old friend of ours last night at the polling my polling place. Oh, right on. Who'd you run into? Uh, Paula Sophia. Hey, we ran her campaign back in 2014 together. How's Paula doing? Paula's doing great. Um, she gave me a lot of insight into the whole uh, police uh, the uh, sheriff that got shot on Monday, and that was interesting from the perspective of a former police officer. And uh, I asked her if she wanted to run for office again, and she said no. Yeah, I can't can't really blame her there. Um, you know, being a former cop, it makes it hard for her to appeal to the left, and being trans, it makes it hard for her to appeal to the right. So. She, kind of left without a political home (laughs) yeah um it's unfortunate but uh she seems in good spirits it was great to run into her um and then i suppose the only other really fun thing i've got is i watched uh uh the house of dragons or house of the dragon okay how was the first Um, episode I really like it. They get into the politics a lot better, which is why I'm mentioning it, because pretty much all the people that listen to this podcast are political, and it gets it really concentrates and zeroes in on King's Landing, and I'm not going to give away any more spoilers than that, or I will get death threats. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm probably going to wait for a few more episodes to be out so that if Shane and I end up liking it, we can kind of binge watch it. But, uh, you know, if, uh, it definitely sounds like it could be promising. And I definitely like fiction that deals with uh, political angles because sometimes it's easier to understand politics by watching some fictional characters where you don't have as... Uh, much of an attachment to one party or another um, that can really help you understand some of the nuances better. Yes, uh, absolutely. Sometimes life mimics art. Sometimes art mimics life. So anyhow, what's the good news in your life? Well, my husband and I uh, installed a uh, driveway, a gravel driveway by hand at our new property. Um, it involved bags of gravel and a truck bed load full of gravel that got dumped in by a bobcat um, and a lot of shoveling and raking. And uh, But, you know, it looks like now we have an entrance into our property that I believe our, our big RV can navigate. Um, I don't think it's quite ready for our Civic Type R to navigate, but... Uh, 
we're getting there. Um, and once we get the RV up there, it'll be easier to do more work on the property and get it prepared for us to, to try to live on full time at some point in the future. Well, that is really cool. I'm so glad you nabbed that property. The pictures you've sent me are friggin' amazing. Uh, it, it looks like you live in an enchanted forest. Um, <laughs> it's just beautiful. So um, I, I, I think it's, it's really cool. And maybe someday my wife and I can come see it in person. Um, yeah, it's, it's yeah. a lot of hours away, but I definitely would say it's worth it. And if you come up that way, you know, we're only an hour or so from Lake Superior, so... The North Shore of Superior is truly some amazing part of the country as well that I think people should go check out sometime. So, yeah, definitely. I, I think we've talked about this on the podcast before, or maybe we meant to and then didn't. But Brittany has an ability for road trips that I cannot handle. Like, <laughs> road trip to, to Chicago and back, we actually took a break in jeff city and uh like on the way back we did the cannonball run but for us that was epic for y'all it would have been nothing <laughs> um so yeah, yeah there there are a number of times that shane and i have been able to drive anywhere between 30 and 36 hours straight before stopping to to sleep um so yeah we we can get pretty epic um, typically we don't like to do too much of that. And we usually do those, those longer stretches when we're on the way home and we'll do 10 to 12 hour per day stretches when we're out on the, on the beginnings of a road trip. Well, I think Epic is next week's episode. So, um, <laughs> we should probably get down to business, but before we do, trying to get some audience engagement. If you like long road trips like Brittany does, comment. If you like more short road trips like we do, uh, my wife and I do, you know, let us know. I'm curious. I'm really curious how people like to travel and what they like to do. But with that, Brittany, we have to get down to business. We do. So let's talk about the runoff results last night. Um I know I kind of watched the some of the results come in as I could last night, although I was pretty tired from doing some, some heavy driveway work. But uh, I did see that, unfortunately, April Grace lost in the runoff to Ryan Walters. So uh, we're stuck with Ryan Walters being the Republican nominee for November. Uh, but I did see a bright spot that Leslie Osborne did hold on in the in the labor commissioner against uh, uh, wife beater Sean Roberts. Well, that was good news. I think it's interesting that John George won by a landslide. Uh, and for those of you who don't know, John George is the president of uh, the FOP. FOP FOP one two three, which is Oklahoma City. So yeah. I thought that that was very interesting. I wonder if he can hold both offices. I'll have to call and ask. I'm very um, curious. I don't see why he couldn't. I is he still the president of FOP one two three? I kind of thought maybe he retired finally. 
Um, um, he, he may have gotten cycled out. I haven't checked. Uh, I need to call over there and find out what's going on. Now, so. he, he was running for a state house seat, or was it state senate? I believe it was state house, and that pulled up here. Treasure. Um, I've had that clicked on already, folks. Well, this he, is my he, bad. he is a full-on Christo-fascist, like... No two ways about it. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure, pa, sure. Paul is familiar with them. <laughs> yeah, that's rep. Um, so, uh, I have no opinion on that whatsoever, and uh, I know him, and that's all I'm going to say. I don't blame you. Fair enough. <laughs> um, um, were there any other big surprises in the runoffs last night? Um, I suppose the one that really got me was, uh, that Avery Fricks got beaten by Josh Burkeen. I really thought that Avery was going to pull it out. So that was probably the only shocker to me. And that's for, uh, U.S. rep, um, CD2. Yeah, I so, wonder, I wonder if Avery wouldn't have been better off running as a moderate like he had been in the legislature. Um, rather than trying to out crazy the crazy of Josh Burkeen, like, you know, if you're only giving voters a, a choice between a guy who's been fully crazy for years and a guy who's now pretending to be one of the crazy right wingers, you know, for this one election, you know, they're going to choose the real crazy. <laughs> yeah, you're like at a lake and wearing a sombrero with no shirt versus the guy that's smearing feces on the wall. Like, uh, okay, you're being fake out there and everybody can smell that. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't really fit Fricks well trying to be the crazy anti-trans, you know, focusing on all the crazy culture war issues. Um, I, I think he would have had a better chance had he run a different campaign, but it seems that in Republican consultant world right now, a lot of them are really pushing the crazy other than you. And, you know, you had your one moderate candidate be successful in the primary already, um, you know, by not being something he wasn't. And, you know, voters trusted him to, to keep being who he is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I want to bring up something that's really gotten more press than the runoffs, quite frankly. Um, so I'll read the uh, KFR headline, Channel 4. Despite signatures, recreational marijuana may not make the November ballot. Now, this has been uh, quite a ride. Um, so my friend and I filed two petitions both to legalize marijuana. We did not, unfortunately, gain enough signatures, which sucks, but we actually went through the process properly. I'm proud of what we were able to accomplish. We're going to probably try again in the spring. And this was for the ORCA 818 and 819 state questions, correct? Yes, ORCA was... Uh, it wasn't behind ORCA, it was behind Jed and I, an organization can't 
file a petition. But, right, right. Yeah, yeah. But these are the so, ones that Orca was supporting. That's correct. And uh, so what happened is uh, 820 challenged us with one of the most powerful law firms in the state. We challenged them with one cool lawyer out of uh, Tulsa, one guy against an army of lawyers. And I can say Crow Dunleavy, right? It's yeah. public knowledge. It's, it's, like, it's public record who represented who. That's You're not breaking yeah. any kind of confidentiality there. Yeah, so essentially this process has gone on and they're not going to make the November ballot. They're not going to. Um, it's not a question. And... And this is they're, 820. They're, they they got the signatures, but there's still a lot of steps in the process before you get on the ballot. That's correct. So Supreme Court's looking at it now, and then they kind of cut off their nose to spite their face because they sued um, the governor... Um, the Secretary of State, Ingman, and as you know, uh, but our listeners might not, you have to actually sue people. You can't just, like, sue the state of Oklahoma. So they sued, yeah, the uh, Xerox with the election board, Secretary of the election board, um, and uh, the Attorney General, O'Connor. And in order to try to force them to make the governor issue an executive order saying that it should be on the ballot because the real drop-dead date on this is August 26th because Xerox has to start printing ballots. So the problem with right, that is... because you've got the early voting period that starts in you know October already. So we're, we're really coming up on it uh, as far as preparing for the november election yes you also have to get uh, ballots overseas which can take quite a while yep so for, you know troops that are serving overseas who oklahoma is their home or people working for contractors overseas yes there's all kinds of reasons that an american might be overseas and want to vote yep. so that all has to be accommodated for and uh but by suing all of these people, uh, from the governor down to the election board, uh, and the AG himself, who is a lame duck, uh, which is the most dangerous kind of politician ever because he has no shits to give. Yeah, uh, zero incentive to, to do anything now. <laughs> so if... The uh, AG changes the ballot title, and Xerox were to print it. I mean, he doesn't manually print it, everybody. Like, he has people that do that. But um, if he were to put that on the ballot with its current title without giving O'Connor a chance to maybe modify it, then, like, you have a question on the ballot that is going to confuse people a great deal because trying to educate the entire state of Oklahoma about how, oh, that's not actually going to do anything. I mean, come on. 
it's not going to work. So, and then, yeah, above and beyond that, pissing off the executive branch, uh, you know, pissing off Stitt, pissing off Bingman, uh, pissing off Xerox. And um, so the Secretary of State issued a quote, which I thought was mildly passive-aggressive. Tell me what you think. For the first time in memory, if not the history of our state, a true signature verification process for an initiative petition occurred and only signatures that were registered voters were counted. This new process differs significantly from the historical practice of merely counting the number of individuals who signed a petition without regard for their voter registration status. Our office has been in constant communication with their proponents, and we look forward to working with them and other interested parties as we continue to improve the new process. (laughs) <laughs> that's saying a so, lot without saying much um yes and now, i yeah it doesn't sound like somebody trying to rush this onto the ballot <laughs> uh so to further the story our old friend ryan kiesel and i'm gonna name him because it's in the press yeah yeah he put his name on a petition i put mine on it's, it's out there uh so he, in this suit, he had Michelle Tilly do it because, well, he is under investigation about metric. Now, it's interesting because in the suit, they allege that a no-bid contract was awarded and there were difficulties in the system that were highly irregular. Now, A, they claim something that was completely not true, that the process only takes like seven to ten days. That's just an outright lie by Tilly. But uh, the other part to it is Ryan is the lobbyist for Metric. Also, a no-bid contract that's having huge fuck-ups. So, you know... uh, Alanis Morissette couldn't make up this level of irony. (laughs) so so you're telling me there's a whole lot of legal wrangling going on not just around the uh state question 820 petition for recreational marijuana by statute but also surrounding the current medical setup and the new implementation of metric and all of that is almost kind of wrapped up together it is indeed ma'am it is indeed because so what metric basically does is they they tag products so it's this whole tagging database system but it's the only system and in order for you to get your weed to market legally it uh you you have to you basically have to use their barcode system you can use your own and then submit it to metric, but it, it makes the process take like twice as long in your weed rots. And so, this is like the, the seed to sale tracking, right? Yes, that is correct. Uh, so what this is doing uh, in a practical sense is people can't get their weed to market in time. Now, guess what happens to that weed that they can't get to the legal market in time? I'll give you one guess. <coughs> black market. <laughs> <laughs> Gray market, black market. Yeah. It, it, so 
people are trying to do the right thing, get their licenses, uh, but metric is actually making it more difficult. And I actually called uh, Mr. Kiesel when I was trying to negotiate a peace between our petitions so we didn't have to go into litigation forever. Uh, and uh, he actually protested, like, well, people think, uh, you know, just because I'm a lobbyist for metric that, you know, I work for metric. And I'm like, uh, that is the definition of working for metric. When I lobbied for pensions, I worked for the organization I was working for for pensions. You know, I, uh, it's like saying I'm the lobbyist for Orca, but I don't work for them. It it doesn't make a drop of sense. And well, he's flailing a bit. Yeah, it's kind of a, a distinction without a difference, maybe. Like, technically, you're an independent contractor, and you can still have your own independent thoughts and ideas but for all intents and purposes like you're going to be acting in the interests of your lobbying client because that's that's who pays the bills yeah that's like saying you know i have a political client well i don't work for them i contract for them i suppose there <laughs> is a difference you don't work for your client you rep I, I don't know. Yeah, just, you, you represent them, and it doesn't mean that everything you say and do is only toward them, but you certainly would have, if you were working for something that opposed them in some way, you would have a conflict of interest that you'd need to have some ethical obligation to clear up with them and make sure that you're not running afoul of your contract with them. Absolutely. And by the way, I do want to mention that this awesome law firm, Crow Dunleavy, you know, I, I worked for them back in 2005, and I am not disparaging the lawyers. Lawyers are have to do what their client asks them to do, however retarded it may be. Oh, sorry, bad word. Don't use that bad word. Chris. Thank you. Sorry, I apologize. Uh, we're not smart. Um um, but, but yeah, our opponents spent and spent like over two million there. But when I was working there, I worked with a great set of lawyers. Uh, one who's now floor leader in the Oklahoma House, John Eccles. He's a great guy. Uh, he's a Republican. Um, I don't agree with everything he does, but he's uh, he's Republican classic. And we had to check all the signatures um, of Tabor back in 2005. The Taxpayer so, Bill of Rights is what that was called. Yep, Tabor. Thank you. Uh, yes. Just for our for our listeners who may not be familiar with some of that jargon. <laughs> so we had 80 full-time, well, not full-time, we had a day shift and a night shift. And it took us four months to get through a constitutional amendment to verify the signatures. The whole point of this new process where they pre-verify registered voters instead of waiting till after all the circulation has happened is to actually save time. So anyhow, I think I've gone off and uh, cursed my enemies for long enough. <laughs> 
encourage any of our listeners that have any questions about uh, this this kind of stuff. Um, petitions are my game. Opposing them, pushing them. Um, so, yeah, I would strongly recommend commenting or, you know, Brittany's feed on Facebook is seems to be a little more popular than our, or on uh, Twitter is more popular than our feed on Facebook. But, well, yeah. Uh, um, well, we're still building our audience here, and that's a good time to segue into reminding folks, if you haven't already, follow us on Facebook, the OK Outcast Facebook page. Um, we're also on Twitter, at OK underscore Outcasts. And uh, if you want to email the show, we do now have an email address, okoutcasts at gmail.com. So feel free to send questions that way if maybe you don't feel comfortable putting your question out to the public to see on social media. You can, can hit us up by email. And we now have a YouTube channel where we're going to have some additional bonus content from time to time or... You know, if there's a week where maybe we're having trouble recording an episode together, um, we can post up some update videos as well there. So lots of different ways to find us and stay abreast of Oklahoma political news. Uh, please do follow us. Absolutely. Um, Brittany's in charge of everything she just said except Facebook, which I manage. I get the, the old people. <laughs> but no, it's good. We, we we need an array of platforms. Brittany is just a little bit better at it. Brittany, I actually didn't tell you this good news, and this is uh, something I was looking into last night, but um, I'm looking to move to get back into advertising and video because some of my clients need a videographer, and uh, they're kind of hard to find without being surly. So I think I'm going to get a really cool video camera that's like literally broadcast level. I mean, you could film a short film with it. So I'm everybody on this podcast knows how I adore film, and I will definitely be bringing that up in future podcasts more. But that, that's fantastic, and, you know, it could even benefit us here at OK Outcast, maybe... We might have some cool video features coming for you in the future. Well, it's not like when it comes, you know, uh, in the mail from B&H, because, by the way, they, they, hey, B&H, if you're listening, here's a plug. I bought Oops. my podcast equipment from B&H. Yeah, it, it's, it, it's a great spot, and sometimes the temptation is just to go to Amazon, and, you know, B&H, that's all they do is AV stuff. So I, I would strongly recommend if you're going to make an expensive uh, tech, tech purchase that involves AV stuff, check them out. It's a bit more of a technical website. doesn't have quite the fluidity of Amazon, but it's worth it. But they, they also have a YouTube channel that has reviews of a lot of their products and has like intro videos on how to use them. So, like, part of the reason I bought the podcast equipment from B&H was they had a video series detailing how to use this podcast equipment and really going over the various options and 
the pros and cons of each one, and it, it helped me decide which one to get and how to use it. So um, if, it, if that's something you're interested in, we give B&H a thumbs up over here at OK Outcasts. And B&H, if any of you are listening, hit us up, okoutcasts at gmail.com, to find out how you can advertise on our podcast. I should email them. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, since I'm thinking about buying the camera, I have an excuse. I'm yeah. Get back to me. There we uh, go. But, but anyhow, um, enough of my new fun camera that I might get aside. Um, you well, got any... I, I do just want to kind of wrap up a little something on that previous discussion of the state questions, just to make very clear to our listeners that, that basically, although you've seen headlines in the last week that state question 820 got the number of signatures they need to get on the ballot... I would not anticipate recreational marijuana being on the November ballot. Um, it is quite, it, it, it's 99.9% impossible unless like, uh, I don't know the Supreme court rules tomorrow, but then they have to rule on this thing that Ryan filed. So, uh, or well, well, Tilly actually filed it, but, uh, that the proponents yeah. filed. Yes. I'm going to name them, and I'm going to yeah. keep naming them. Sure. <laughs> uh, they've pissed me off. <laughs> to our listeners yet. Well, they haven't um, pissed but... me off specifically, so I just, oh. just want to make that clear. I I remain friends with Ryan Kiesel just fine. I don't have any issues with him. <laughs> and I remain friends with John George, and I don't have any issues with him. Christo fascist. So. <clears throat> <laughs> Traitor. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, allergies must be getting to both of us. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it's not going to be on the ballot, guys. And if you're asking, when would it go to the ballot? The answer is, there's only one person that knows. And that person, well, there's two people. Uh, those people are... Governor Stitt, and Assistant Governor Brian Bingman. That's a joke. <laughs> Bingman does a great job. I'm a huge fan, but he and Stitt work closely together. As the Secretary of State, and, you know, you know, they're part of the executive branch. They should work closely together. There shouldn't be animosity between the Secretary of State and the Governor. And listening to those around you, which Stitt is actually very good at. I'm going to give him some credit here. You know, uh, he he really, you know, makes a lot of decisions I don't necessarily agree with at all. But um, I, what I will say is, um, you know, Secretary Bingman, Secretary Xerox, Governor Stitt, they do all communicate. They, they do all talk together, and that is important for our government to communicate, even if you disagree with what they're doing. Uh, we've had administrations in the past where there's discord, and that's that causes a different kind of chaos, So, especially with the budget. But yeah, yeah um, it's not going to be on the ballot. It will be on the ballot at some point in the future. Pro unless... Probably next year sometime. 
Well, um, probably so. If that, it could be uh, 2024, honestly. Yeah. So, well, Recreational will be on the ballot in North Dakota in November. Um, They are looking to beat Minnesota to the punch on that and try to capitalize on getting some business from Minnesotans traveling over to North Dakota because Minnesota doesn't have uh, an initiative petition process to go around the legislature to get it on the ballot. And as long as the uh, GOP controls the Minnesota State Senate, which they do at this time, you know, they're just not going to let it get either to a vote of the people or just make it law. So, um, Isn't it a pretty narrow margin in Minnesota as far as your, your state Senate? It is. They they have like a two-seat majority in the state Senate <laughs> right now. Um, it will be interesting to see. The, the DFL up here in Minnesota may have a chance at taking the state Senate this year, but... Um, we'll have to see how it goes. If they do, then I would expect Minnesota to... The the Minnesota House that's DFL-led and the Minnesota governor who's DFL have all indicated they support legal recreational marijuana. And so it's really a matter of, you know, once they get the votes in the state Senate to do it, it will come to pass at some point. So maybe coming here soon. Well, I uh, I hope so because don't want to be given all those tax dollars to another state, right? Indeed, you know you'd think if uh, if these uh, Republicans were as pro business as they say they are, they would want to make sure that we're not getting beat to the punch by our neighbors. So <laughs> uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. Absolutely. And, I mean, that was the intent. And I I do want to reiterate the reason that our petition was so different. We wanted the same thing. We just had different roads to get there. Um, Yeah, you wanted to do it through the state constitution, um, which I think is the preferable method because that helps protect it from too much legislative meddling. Um, whereas, you know, the, the Kiesel Tilly petition is, you know, more of a, uh, statutory change and it would have made it legal by statute. But then as we've seen with medical, as soon as the legislature meets, they will just propose all kinds of bills to start meddling with it. So, um, yeah, that was, that was our entire logic this entire time. So it's just the threshold of numbers. That's why we didn't get our numerical sufficiency. We're saving the taxpayers some money because we're not going to turn in an insufficient number of signatures so we can go through this very expensive process. You know, it's like... You're just going to regroup and try again, and, you know, that's okay. Yeah. Um, And it was confusing this year with multiple petitions going around on the same subject. I know... I got a ton of people saying, oh, I already signed that petition. And I was like, yeah, I don't think you did, because the the one that, you know, Chris and Jed were working on, there would have been two petitions for you to sign and not just the one. And they're like, oh, okay. And 
So, and, yeah. And we also kind of tried a different method of relying largely on dispensaries and people to go in there and sign them. And we thought that would be a way to get around the Oklahoma heat. Um, and it didn't quite work out that way. But it, it, it was an interesting experiment, a very expensive one. Uh, but, hey, if you don't try out new things in politics, you know, uh, you, you you don't learn. If you, you And the important thing is to learn from your failures. Uh, where did we... Where did we fail here? Yeah, there are, then, there are plenty of consultants out there who just do everything the way it's always been done and are never willing to try anything new. And, you know, that's how you get left behind sometimes. So you got to try new things. Not every one of them's going to be a hit and work out. And uh, we just take our lumps and learn from it and uh, get better. Well, I uh, couldn't have said it better myself. Because it is, uh, and if anybody out here that's into politics, which probably most of you, especially people that have been involved in campaigns, know, like it's just so difficult to come up with the perfect strategy. And sometimes you do. We we were in the position with Paula's race of if we had two more weeks, I think we could have won. God, if we had uh, but, one more week, I think we would have won. I, I mean, we but, we started at such a disadvantage in that race that, you know, Jason Dunnington had been knocking doors for like a year before we even recruited Paula into that race. So we had, yeah. you know, we had basically an opponent that had a year head start on us. And we had to jump to it, and we ended up forcing a runoff and losing by just, I think it was 22 votes um, against somebody who had that much of a head start and had raised a lot more money than we had and had a lot more institutional support. Um, Oh, what, like the uh, House Minority Leader? I'm sorry, disgraced House Minority Leader? Uh, yeah, Scott Inman, you know, made it clear he was putting his thumb on the scale towards Dunnington, and that made it hard for us with some donors and some of the supporters within the district, and yet we put our heads together and, and made a plan for how to run that race, and we damn near pulled it off. We we did, but what we didn't do at when the, the votes came in, and... Uh, like, you know, we were all very angry that evening. But uh, what we didn't do was call for a recount because we knew statistically there was no way. It was close, but no cigar. You know, well, I, I will admit that on the night of, you know, while the numbers were still fresh, we didn't initially concede right that minute, but we did regroup by morning and and look at the numbers and we did our own research to see like in a recount how many votes are likely to get turned up in a race of this size um and how much and there were like i think there were like 40 or 50 provisional ballots out there and we ran some numbers to see like what's the likelihood of any of those coming our way and changing the outcome and the numbers really just didn't support 
that we were going to get 22 votes. And so we conceded the next morning as soon as we did the math and saw that the the likelihood wasn't there. We didn't claim it was a, a fraudulent election. We didn't, you know, claim it was stolen from us. We we conceded the next morning. Well, I will say, Brittany, I had recruited like three other candidates that you turned down. <laughs> <laughs> but I understand why you did, and I'm not going to name names there. No. Uh, but, no, that would be inappropriate. But, uh... We did we did the best we could uh, with a great candidate who I still think would have made a great legislator and would have been I, I agree I believe would have been a much better legislator for House District 88 than the person who ended up finally beating Dunnington uh, Maury Turner um, in the in the episode we recorded last week that had a corrupted file. Um, we had a little discussion about Representative Maury Turner and their uh, way of presenting themselves at the legislature. And I'll just say that this this particular podcast, we're not big fans of how Maury has handled their time in the legislature, despite the fact that I did uh, endorse Maury Turner uh, two years ago. Um, I had hoped that the time in the legislature would cause them to, um, you know, moderate out a little bit and find a way to make friends and try to build support. And instead, you know, we've just been left with somebody who um, has just disrespected their fellow legislators and made themselves kind of into a joke. Um, Representative Turner, I have no problem with their queer status at all. That's not my issue. My issue is what kind of legislature is Representative Turner? And the answer ended up being somebody that has no decorum and wore overalls and a t-shirt on the House floor with tennis shoes. Now, I'm never going to be a state rep, but if I were... Even though I hate wearing a tie, I really despise it, folks. I think it's stupid. But uh, I would do it if I were in that position. My good friend that is running for that seat, HD88, and fellow proponent Jed Green, will also attest to the fact of how much he hates wearing a tie. And anybody who knows Jed Green knows he's not a suit type of guy. (laughs) No, he is not a suit type of guy. But that said, he knows that if he were to win, he would wear a tie on the floor. He would probably rip it off as soon as he left the building. But uh, in the building, he would wear a tie. Yeah. And it's... Uh, I mean, it's <laughs> this this the way you dress on the house floor. That's such a silly place to take such a stand and make enemies right away. Like to to represent your district. Yes, it's fine to be very progressive and stand for very progressive principles, but you've still got to find a way to meet decorum and make friends, even of people who you fundamentally disagree with on just about everything 
because you got to find a way to make inroads and and get them to see you as a person and not just you know not just a prop and you know i just unfortunately i don't think maury has done that and so you know i would i would say i'm likely to endorse jed green in house district 88 this time around um I, yeah, I don't know if an independent has a chance, but if they were going to do it, it would be in House 88. So um, I, I hope Jed runs a good campaign because I do think House District 88 could do better. And Jed is a is a pretty progressive guy, but he also understands how to talk to and hang out with very conservative guys in the legislature and... I think he would have a better chance of making them see um, some ways that they could change their views without being off-putting. Yes, and he would take the job seriously. Um, it's also notable that Marie has been fired by multiple consultants. And yes, we consultants can fire our clients. So, uh, but they can fire us too. Yeah. So it's just like with lawyers. Well, Uh, it looks like we've we've taken up the listeners 45 minutes of time here. So it's probably a good time for us to wrap up and not just be bitching all the time. Um, It's true. On our next podcast, I promise I will be more cheerful and happy-go-lucky. And uh, maybe I should medicate myself before the next one, Brittany. (laughs) So... Well, and, you know, I do want to say real quick, just to wrap this all up, um, some of you are really bummed about how the primary runoffs went um, this week. Uh, But I would encourage our progressive listeners to to not assume that Ryan Walters will be the next superintendent. Nothing is set in stone just because he won the Republican nomination. There's still a Democratic opponent in November, Jenna Nelson. Get out there, support her, give her your money, go knock doors for her. You know, there are ways you can help and actually get off the sidelines. You know, politics isn't just a spectator sport. You personally can have a say in it. You can have a hand in how this goes. Don't give up. Don't give in to darkness and and just, you know resigning yourself to negative outcomes get out and do the work absolutely get out and vote and if we don't try we can't win so yeah with that note Brittany, um you want to wrap this up sounds good yeah we will talk with everybody next week follow us on youtube facebook uh twitter Send us emails if you want, okoutcasts at gmail.com, and we look forward to talking to you again next week. Have a good one, y'all. Waiters.